Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. Tran Nguyen is a bilingual investigative reporter and data journalist who has covered the Vietnamese community, homelessness, and health care in Santa Clara County for the San Jose Spotlight. She is from Saigon, Vietnam, and is a graduate of the University of Oregon with a master's degree in journalism from Missouri. Hi, Tron. I know that you're not long into your new role as a leader on the investigative team. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. So first things first, and I think yours is going to be particularly interesting. Uh, what's your journalism origin story going as far back as you can go? <laughs> all right. Well, I think all of this started when I was really young. I have always liked writing. I find writing has such a power to connect people, to articulate, you know, things that we can really, you know, sometimes express. And, and, and I like the fact that writing can really open up your mind, you know, that coupling with the, the fact that I always have a curiosity in terms of trying to figure out how the world works. You know, those two things kind of come together and really motivated me to try to be a journalist. And the fact, you know, with my background being born and grow up in, in Vietnam, that's a very different environment in terms of, you know, journalism, free speech and things like that. So when I told my parents, this is when I was probably 14, 15 years old, I told them that I want to be a journalist. And they're like, are you sure? It was, you know, they, they have been always supportive of my decision. That's I always grateful to them. But I, you know, I first came to America when I was 16 years old. You know, I came through a student exchange program. I stayed with a host family in New Jersey. That was an experience. I ended up, you know, skipping senior year and just went to community college in, in Oregon. And I think that's when that's my first real experience being a journalist. I, I joined the student newspaper, the torch there covering student government, you know, some financial stuff. From there, I transferred to University of Oregon, also joined the student newspaper there. That's when, you know, I really, um, really fell in love with local journalism. You know, I love being a beat reporter, you know, getting to know all of the ins and outs of, of a topic. I think that my first beat, at the student, uh, uh, at the student newspaper there, the Daily Emerald was on construction. Like <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's definitely like not like a sexy topic. You know, it's like, what do you mean construction? But I kind of turned that into like a real beat. You know, like we have breaking news. There's like a lot of watchdog reporting that I was doing at the time, and. It was really fun to like, you know, be able to do that, to to be able to ask questions and, you know, shed light on a number of things that was happening on campus. From there, I then cover student government. I cover police for uh, campus police for a little while. And that's when I'm like, I really think I can do this, you know, and then started getting to investigative reporting thanks to Brent Ward, who, you know, came to U of O and started the investigative 
and reporting classes there. Yeah, and from there, I, I after I graduated from U of O, I got a job at the Mail Tribune Ashland News uh, Ashland Daily Tidings in Southern Oregon. Worked there for a year. After that, went went off to Missouri. Got my master's degree there. From there, thanks to the connection and a couple of conferences I went to, I got connected to San Jose Spotlight and. That's that's where I am now. Excellent. Now, there's a lot of different things uh, that I'm curious about here. One is, were you raised bilingual in Vietnam? No. So I, my family only speak Vietnamese. And, but I, I still remember this vividly. They sent me to essentially like after school program to learn English. And I was so young that I did, I did not know how to write when I was in that class. So I was learning English before I learned how to write, which is funny. So, yeah. Were, were you exposed to journalism? And I mean, what's it like? What's the journalism like in Vietnam? Right. Even now, you know, the majority of the media in Vietnam is state sponsored. So obviously, a lot of it is censored or, you know, you don't hear about a lot of issues that the the government doesn't like uh, people to talk about or you hear it from like a very specific viewpoint, right? So when I told my parents when I was 14, 15, I obviously really did not understand what I was getting into uh, when I say I want to be a journalist. And that's, you know, part of the, I guess that that's part of the journey that I have to go through, just like learning on my own, but like, okay, this is this is, you know, like something that I can do. Like I can go up to a public official and ask them difficult questions. That's within my right. That's something that like really blew my mind. The fact that, you know, the media, journalists, reporters can raise these questions and, and raise these issues and, and feel empowered to do it. I think that's one of the aspects that really drew me into journalism too. You know, the fact that, you know, I'm so curious about how the world works and trying to get down to the bottom of how things are, how things are supposed to be. Um, this is this is great. This is a very uh, this is a unique story to our podcast. I think you're the second guest who has come on and been either in an environment where there was state sponsored media or had relatives, close relatives that were a part of state-sponsored media or that had mm. had not had been exposed to state-sponsored media where they were. We've had one or two other people, but I find it fascinating uh, whenever we have someone come on who does that. So certainly uh, kudos. Tell, tell me more about the San Jose spotlight uh, and the fact that San Jose is significant because of its Vietnamese population. Yeah, so this San Jose spotlight, my journey here. So I... Uh, was introduced somebody somebody I met at the conference a night car conference love that I've gone a couple of times and it's always been a great experience but I was at a night car conference and I was talking this is when I was still a student at Missouri and I was talking to a journalist I'm like here's you know I'm looking for a job this is at the beginning of the pandemic so I'm kind of like I don't know what option I have like we all did not know what all of this gonna, you know, turn out to be. But I was talking to her about my vision, you know, my desire 
to go into nonprofit newsroom specifically. I previously have worked for a for-profit newsroom, although it's technically locally owned, there's still a lot of, you know, problems I have with the business model itself. So at the time, I, I really wanted to try nonprofit newsroom. And this journalist, you know, recommended that I reach out to Ramona, who's now my editor, and introduce myself. And we talked on the phone a little bit. And then I started intern for the Spotlight June of 2020. So like right kind of like mid right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it's, you know, it's it's really interesting. And I I really kind of fell in love with like the, the business model where they make news accessible. They, you know, not trying to cover everything that's happened in San Jose is very specific. You know, we're focusing on policy and things that related to business and kind of tie everything back to that angle. So we are not, you know, just chasing breaking news, you know, police things and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that like, this is really being funded through the community and different grants and things like that, that really require us to continue to listen to the community and to, you know, hear their feedback, basically having them holding us accountable for the work that we do. So I feel like that was very important and um, that really resonated with me. And how I came to cover the Vietnamese, that's, I guess it's kind of happened, kind of right right place, right time. Well, it's the um, largest in the country. It. It's the largest Vietnamese community in the country, right? Right, yeah. So I was drawn to San Jose Spotlight because it was a non-profit newsroom. But after my internship with them, they're like, hey, so we are looking for a person to actually cover the Vietnamese community. Would you be interested? And that position was actually through Report for America. So we both, you know, the newsroom and I both applied for, for, for the position. And, you know, we got matched. And, you know, it's been since June 2021 that I've been covering at this position. And it's, I would say it's been very rewarding, you know, to be here and to be cover a community that, you know, I might not have the same experience growing up, you know, but it's very nice to be able to tell these stories and have people come up to me, you know, even at events, people will come up to me like, you're Tron, I know who you are. And, you know, people really enjoy and, and appreciate the fact that, you know, the community finally being recognized in the mainstream media. How does your coverage differ from that of the San Jose Mercury News? So a lot of our coverage are, you know, the same. Obviously, we, we cover City Hall and we cover in San Jose. We have a lot of developments uh, happening and we, we also cover on that. But I would say, you know, we really because of our focus in policy and business related reporting we were able to delve deeper into these stories or you know look at these stories in a different lens and especially i would say with with my beats so homelessness healthcare and the vietnamese community we we did we we do a lot of unique 
stories in those spaces. You know, we, San Jose Spotlight was the only one who was, you know, covering the largest encampment in San Jose closely. We were out there every single week, you know, talking to people, learning about their story, you know, really humanized this, this issue. San Jose Spotlight was the only one that has been covering and following this issue with the county doctors and how they are being pushed to the brim, uh, to the breaking point. And they might go on strike later this month, you know, and but obviously with the Vietnamese community, we're the only one who are, you know, uplifting these stories and uplifting these, these voices. And that's, I mean, that's really convinced me to, to stay with San Jose Spotlight because we really fill a void here that local news are very depleted, not only in, in San Jose, but, but across the country. And I do have a lot of you know, respect for, for nonprofit newsrooms trying to be there and be the public servant and you know, help people make better decisions in their lives. So let me give some examples of some stories that you've covered recently, just brief synopsis. A cease and desist letter related to whether one political supporter called a candidate a communist. That was a dispute mm -hmm. over a term in Vietnamese and its modern meaning. How 14 homeless people died on San Jose streets in September. The money trail in the San Jose mayoral campaign, a race that seems very intense. Uh, how San Jose doctors are stressed beyond belief. Uh, that's kind of a mix. That's a lot of different types of things. I'm curious, with all that, how do you come up with your story ideas? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a mixed bag. Obviously, you know, with the Vietnamese community, I got a lot of tips. You know, I spent the last year or so learning about different groups and different organizations in the city and, you know, become really close to a lot of key players, you can say that, in the community. And a lot of it, you know, basically come from them. It's tips that, you know, people would call me and they're like, I just heard about this. You need to hear this, you know. And a lot of the stories, you know, from the homelessness beat also, you know, also came from advocates and from people in that community reaching out to me and, and, and letting me know that's really thanks to like the network and, you know, the time that we invest in building the, these connections and relationship um, with the community. We also have, you know, several events where we invited readers and other people to meet us. Actually, there's one coming up soon for me and one other Vietnamese reporter in our newsroom. So I'm very excited for that. So yeah, a lot of stories came to us, but that's only happened after we started, you know, building out our network and letting people know who we are and kind of have to prove to them too, right? That we are reputable. We're here to like serve you and to fill the needs that's really lacking in San Jose where local news has kind of been depleted in the last few. A lot of people have come up to me and my colleagues saying that, you know, thank goodness that San Jose Spotlight is here because they can really rely on our reporting. In terms of stories too, a lot of it came from just 
public record requests or ideas that we kind of talk in the newsroom and like, I think this, you know, like just kind of pose like a theory and then I would go chase down whether this theory is true or not. Um, a lot of it came out like that too. What's your style of writing? Now, I'll, I'll, the context for this, we've had some writers on who are very people-centric in their writings where they're doing, uh, where they're leading, they're writing anecdotal leads mm. of the story of a, of a person. From what I read for the most part in your pieces, you're very, I would describe you as very traditional uh, and <laughs> old school, if you want to use the term old school, where it's fact, 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 fact. Uh, and I'm curious about how that, uh, how you develop that, and if that's that comes from essentially your, I, I presume your collegiate training and such, uh, and if that's like a an organizational kind of philosophy, kind of. Yeah, I would say some of my writing is really uh, because of our style here. We write, we want to write short. We want to write, you know, uh, concisely, get to the point, and you know, people will be on their way. But I would say when I start. When I write a story, my biggest goal is my writing is accessible. You know, I want my reporting to be easy to read, easy to understand, and for people to really benefit from it. You know, we we did have a couple of stories where we really we led with the people because their story is just so, you know, compelling and it's it's one story that came up to, to me right now is I recently wrote a story on Korean migrants that came to Santa Clara County, this area. And I get to met this family, you know, very young parents, with two kids, and they travel thousands and thousands of miles walking through desert because, you know, their life was in, da was in danger. So we, we led with that. I mean, I think I think my biggest goal <laughs> is, you know, these stories need to be heard and I want it to be presented in a way where it's, you know, might not be the sexiest, but it's, it's, it's get to people. And it's, like I said, accessibility is a big goal in my reporting. Can you take us through maybe a recent day, maybe one that was particularly interesting or exciting and walk us through kind of a day in the life of what you did during that day? Yeah, well, a lot of, uh, I mean, I think local reporters would, re uh, would, would agree with me that, you know, every day is different. And because the fact that I cover like three different areas, so it's not every day, we just have different, uh, schedules, so to speak. One recent, recently, you know, to cover things like in homelessness, a lot of time I would just have to like wake up and, and be out the door by like 6 a.m. A lot of the sweeping that happens very early in the morning, you know, so those days I would like be out in the field by 6.30, kind of walking around, waiting around, talking to people and with you know, spending probably three or four hours out in encampments and just gathering, uh, reporting, uh, photographing, video taping, and, you know, sometimes tweeting, you know, those days are hard because those are not easy things to cover. And you, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's like people's, you know, worst day 
right? That you just have to witness and still have to go back to, you know, to your desk and, and file the story for the day. Or sometimes would just be, I would just sit at the table at my desk all day. For example, when we do, so we, we track campaign finance for the local election. And those days I would just sit at my desk and, you know, go through spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet and, and <laughs> update our tracker on our website, which exhaust, I'm exhausted by the end of it, <laughs> but essentially I took like 200 steps that day. So it's very. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's it varies. So you, you just segued into the next question that I was going to ask, which is that you've done a lot of data journalism, and I'm curious how that plays a role in what you do. Yeah, I think data journalism is such a powerful tool. It's, uh, that's what I studied for my master's degree, and it's have come in handy a lot, you know, because, of, you know, I, I essentially help our newsroom track finance for this past year. Uh, with the election season and you know doing a lot of stories one story that i'm particularly proud of was i end up getting the data from the city to look at where low-income or affordable housings are located in the city and we're able to find out how in particular areas you know the city keep approving permits and keep approving developments of these low incomes have squeezed them in very specific areas. So, you know, from, from that data, I will be able to find that findings and then actually map it out where you can see visually how concentrated uh, different areas are just full with low income housing. And there's districts where there would just be, you know, two or three of them. That was, you know, that's, something that I'm totally advocated for people to like go into. I've done a couple, I've done one workshop with my newsroom too, to show them, you know, the basic of, of data journalism. But yeah, it's not, not all story will have a data element into it, but I think a lot of my story, a lot of impactful story involve data because it tells such a bigger story and it's compelling story too. And sometimes data is the story, right? Like I was looking at uh, wages for city workers. And one thing that I found is that a lot of, so obviously you have fire departments and police officer, you know, having a lot of uh, overtime pay because of the nature of the job. But I also found like, people in the waste management or like you know the water district also have a lot of overtime so we end up doing a story on that and it, we found that actually they have to do overtime so much because the city could not hire or retain people with those specific skills to to fill those jobs so it's just on one person's shoulder to to you know handle that kind of thing so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think data journalism is just very essential, especially in local journalism. There's a lot of data everywhere. So yeah. It seems like you've been very well received both by readers and by your colleagues and, and editors and such. But I am curious if 
to, to whatever degree you're comfortable sharing on this, do you, have you had to deal with any racism within anything that you've covered? Oh boy. I mean, through, I would say at this particular job, I have not, well, I got some very nasty emails, you know, just calling me racist, which is interesting <laughs> from another, you know, person of color, but at other jobs or at other newsrooms, especially in Oregon and in Missouri, you know, it's, it's always a risk going out on assignment by yourself. There's people who have called me names, you know, to my face or, you know, through social media and stuff like that. When I was a student journalist, I got spat on actually. <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. But I think that's, unfortunately, that that's part of the challenges with this, and especially in the recent climate about a lot of people not only not trusting the media, but also seeing them, seeing journalists as, as enemies. So it's, it's challenging. And I do appreciate, you know, my current editors being uh, very conscious and aware and, you know, proactive um, to prevent that kind of harassment. Like I said, I've, I have not faced like a traumatic incident in terms of that at this job, but I've talked to a number of people, other journalists of color who just feel like they are dealing it on both ends, you know, both from outside the newsroom and inside the newsroom. And yeah, that's very unfortunate. What's the hardest part of the job? <laughs> the hardest part of the job, I would say, particularly to the stories that I do, it's, uh, it's challenging to find a, a balance, right? Between being dedicated to your job and maintaining your mental health. A lot of the time, especially in reporting on homelessness, like I said, you know, some, sometimes when I talk to them, it's, it's their worst day or it's the worst time of their life. And sometimes you can, you know, you can, you can listen to it and you can get through it. Or sometimes you just file the story, go home, but then you carry that back home to you. A lot of, a lot of trauma, a lot of heartbreaks, a lot of difficult stories. And it's, it's you care about your sources and you care about the community that you report on. Sometimes it feels a little helpless, right? Because I would be talking to them, listening to, you know, their story, but there's little I can do besides telling these stories and making them, making other people see these stories. So I would say that's, I think that's the hardest part right now for me, is just trying to find that balance so I don't burn myself out or just feeling like I'm holding on to everybody everyone's trauma you're certainly not alone in that that has been a common mm -hmm. thing that has been uh talked about on this podcast how has being a journalist changed how you view the world i would say i would not be the person i am today if i weren't a journalist it it makes me i would say much more cynical <laughs> of the <laughs> world but 
you know, I think it also brings me a lot of hope, you know, seeing other journalists doing the things that they do and also work tirelessly to improve, you know, our industry and, and the working environment, especially for journalists of color. So I, you know, I, I went into this profession for a reason and I definitely feel like it's, it's the right decision. The show is called The Journalism Salute. We salute you for your good work and ask that you do likewise. Is there another journalism organization or journalist or mentor that you would like to salute for their good work? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would like to shout, uh, shout out two people, if that's okay. Sure. One is Professor Damon Kiso. He's, I was his research assistant when I was at Mizzou. I would say, you know, being a person of color in Mizzou is uh, at Missouri. It's not easy, but he, you know, has been there every step of the way, uh, supporting, mentoring, just walking me through a lot of the challenging time, especially the pandemic too, very unprecedented time. And, you know, we still talk and it's, it's always very, it's nice to, to have somebody like, like Damon in, in your corner. He's a great ally. He cares a lot about, you know, the next generation. Um, and I appreciate and really grateful that, you know, he, he took a chance in me. The other person that I would like to shout out is CC Wei. She is also a mentor of mine. I had admired her work before we even talked, and I really appreciate, you know, her vision in co-founding the Journalists of Color Slack space, you know, really a safe haven for journalists of color everywhere, not only in the U.S., but internationally during, you know, very, some very challenging times the last couple of years. I think because of that space, I were able to grow as a journalist, as a reporter and connect with other people and not feel so alone during, you know, the past couple of years when I did not know what I was doing, to be honest. Those are the two that I would like to salute to. Tron has won multiple awards for her work for The Spotlight, most notably from the California News Publishers Association. You can find her stories at sanjosespotlight.com. One thing we didn't get to talk about was the Report for America program, which she's a part of. Report for America's motto is Local Journalism, National Service. Their mission is to strengthen communities and our democracy through local journalism that is truthful, fearless, fair, and smart. The program places reporters like Tron all around the country. To learn more, go to reportforamerica.org. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at journalismsalute at gmail.com.